You are listening to the Campus Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Dinah Jansen. Each Wednesday on CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, I welcome a new guest from Queen's University to discuss news, issues, upcoming events, initiatives, and services for the benefit of Queen's students, faculty, staff, and alumni. Thanks for tuning in to this podcast, and we hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Campus Beat. I'm Dinah Jansen, and today I am in the virtual studio with Dr. James Reynolds, Associate Dean, School of Graduate Studies, and Professor in the Department of Biomedical and Molecular Sciences here at Queen's University. Welcome, James. Uh, Good morning, Dinah. Pleasure to be here. So we've got a lot of ground to cover today. Uh, Last week, we learned that international PhD students at Queen's University will be paying the same tuition fees as domestic students commencing fall 2021. This is a huge announcement, and thank you for uh, giving us some of your time today to talk about it. Uh, But before we dive into that, I wonder, James, if we can talk about yourself, your research and teaching, and of course, your work as Associate Dean in the School of Graduate Studies studies. Let's hear more about you. Sure. So uh, I've been a faculty member here at Queen's since 1995. I came as a uh, first as an associate professor of pharmacology and had been was the Department of Pharmacology and Toxicology, which has been amalgamated uh, several years ago with other basic science departments into its current iteration of biomedical and molecular sciences. I'm actually a Queen's grad myself, and my, my PhD in pharmacology and toxicology uh, was, was done here in the uh, in the 80s. Uh, So I have a long association with uh, Queen's University and in particular uh, uh, as a researcher and uh, someone with an interest in graduate studies. I I myself had a a long career as uh, a researcher in developmental disabilities in children and uh, developmental brain injury. Uh, I'm currently the chief scientific officer for the Kids Brain Health Network, which is a, a national network of centers of excellence working to, to find solutions to some of the, the challenges and problems that face kids and, and families. Uh, and that has been a, an incredibly rewarding uh, journey over the, the past decade. In that same time though, I've, I've had uh, a number of, of graduate students that have trained with me and, and worked on the research programs. I uh, was part of a, a group that uh, brought in the interdisciplinary neuroscience program back again in the early 2000, 2004, I think we opened uh, that program, which uh, has grown enormously and is, is uh, really uh, a flagship for how interdisciplinary training uh, can be done. I was a grad coordinator in that program for, for a number of years. So I, I've developed from uh, my own experience uh, uh, as a researcher and uh, as a, a graduate coordinator, uh, a really uh, an appreciation for the, the, the essential role that graduate students play uh, in, in, in the research enterprise. Uh, they are the way and uh, those students, those trainees, the work they do, this really is how uh, so much of our research uh, accomplishments at, at Queens happens. And so recognizing the vital role that they play uh, was, was part of my attraction in uh, coming over to the School of Graduate Studies as an associate dean to provide more support to those students and, and the, the various programs in which they're themselves developing their skills and uh, uh, positioning themselves to contribute to uh, Canadian society in the future. Thank you so much for sharing. We appreciate that. 
So James, we'd like to learn more about uh, the recent announcement that international PhD students will be paying the same tuition as domestic students as of September 2021. Can we go back in time a bit and learn more about the work of the working group, perhaps, in, in graduate studies that got everything going? Uh, the tasks and the 35 recommendations that had been made in the final report. Let's learn about this working group and, and what it did to get things rolling for equalizing tuition payments for PhD students amongst other tasks. Sure, Dinah. Uh, and it is, it is really a, a story, uh, although you know, the announcement was, was last week. The, uh, the origins go back, again, almost three years. Uh, and as we talked about, probably even longer when for these that these concerns have been identified. But uh, it was almost three years ago, in March of 2018, that a, a, a joint Senate board retreat on the status of graduate education at Queen's University was held. Uh, and coming out of that uh, day-long retreat was uh, uh, a direction for the School of Graduate Studies to uh, convene uh, a working group that would examine the, the status of graduate education. What was the graduate experience at Queen's University uh, and how it could be strengthened uh, to maximize the chance of success for those students and their ability to contribute to, to the research and, and teaching missions of the, of the university. That, was, that working group was chaired by uh, Dean Kadir, uh, Dean of the School of Graduate Studies. It had representation broadly from across the university, faculty members, staff, students, student organizations uh, were, were all uh, members of that, uh, that working group. And their mandate was to look at uh, not just the status of graduate education at, at Queens, but gathering more information about where we, where we stood. What, what are the best practices that have been identified uh, at, at other institutions at, at Queen's to listen to the individual stories uh, of students and, and their concerns uh, and to take all of that information and coalesce it into a set of recommendations for how graduate education and the graduate experience at Queen's could be strengthened uh, so that, uh, that those students, again, would have the best chance of success and would maximize their, their contribution to the university and to their own professional development. So as you, as you mentioned, uh, that working group uh, in, in its report, which was presented to Senate uh, in, uh, uh, and accepted by Senate in September of, of 2019. So the, the working group spent over uh, six months consulting, gathering information, doing the analysis and uh, providing uh, uh, said bringing all of that information down into those sets of 35 recommendations for change that broadly fit into categories of the student experience, professional development, funding, the, grad, the student supervisor relationship, the, those things that, that students experience uh, when they're, they're here at Queen's. When that report was uh, presented to Senate, it, it contained an implementation plan not just a set of recommendations, but concrete changes that were being recommended and a timeline uh, for which some of those uh, recommendations needed to be put uh -huh. in place, or at least recommended they put in place. Short-term, near-term, and longer-term aspirations, uh, if you will, to uh, change the graduate student experience at Queen's. 
among those uh, those sets of recommendations were specific ones uh, around funding. Okay. Funding is, uh, it's been uh, an ongoing issue uh, and it will be an ongoing issue. This is uh, not the end of the story, uh, but I'm hoping the, the start of a, of, a, of, a, of a journey that will see funding for graduate students evolve and change and, and be strengthened uh, at, at Queen's. But there were some uh, critical issues that needed to be dealt with urgently. And one of them was the, the way in which international students at, at Queen's uh, are, are currently funded uh, and the, the, the challenges that uh, exist for those students uh, to, to come here to Queen's. So a couple of interesting uh, uh, facts that uh, just I think underline just how, uh, how important this issue is. Back in the early, uh, uh, early to mid 2000s uh, was the last, uh, uh, there was a major shift in how graduate students or international graduate students were, were to be funded. Uh, and at that time, there was uh, recognition that international students paid uh, differential tuition and we needed to uh, help them out financially. So at that time, there was somewhere around uh, 300 international students at Queen's. In about 2009-2010, the, the, the program was revised to provide a, a guarantee of a, a tuition supplement for, inter, for international PhD students mm -hmm. specifically, uh, and uh, a certain budget in the student support uh, allotment was created to provide those, uh, those supplements. And at that time, there was somewhere around uh, uh, 250 international PhD students at, at Queen's. And so the, the system that was put in place was, was adequate to, to support them. Well, remember early in the mid 2000s, you know, there was under 300 international students in total at Queen's. Uh, by 2019-20, uh, the number was over 1200 international students at Queen's across all of our programs and the number of international students was well over 400. In fact, the, the planning that uh, inst institutional uh, planning and budgeting, the projections they have is that within a couple of years, we'll have over 500 international PhD students at Queens. So a couple of things were happening here. One, uh, the, our, our student demographic was changing. Yes, uh -huh. you know, number of students was going up, but the proportion of our research students, in particular at the PhD level, the proportion of our PhD students that are international students has been going up. We're, we're close to a third of the PhD students at Queen's are international students. At the same time, the system of uh, financial support for those students had, had maxed out, it long ago had maxed out. So it really, it was not serving the needs of the programs and it wasn't serving the needs of the students and it wasn't serving the needs of the, the research enterprise. Because there are a couple of other drivers that have happened here. Uh -huh. you, know, we, you know, we're going through a, a phase of, of renewal, faculty of renewal. Indeed. New faculty members coming in, many of them have research programs that are international. They need to be able to recruit internationally to, to support their programs. And several other graduate programs in areas at Queen's have, have come to rely heavily on the recruitment of international students so that those, uh, those research programs can continue. So we had a system that 
that was not serving really the needs of the university or the students uh, and, and, and was, was causing a lot of dissatisfaction. Across that same issue is, or that same uh, at the same time, uh, became it was becoming abundantly clear that the level of support provided to international students was simply not sufficient. By the time they pay tuition, pay rent, pay for food, there's nothing left. Uh, so how how do they how we do we expect them to live? Well, a lot of them would would work. They would have jobs to to try to to supplement their their income. Well, the more time they're spending in jobs to supplement their income, they're taking that away from the research that they're here to do. Or the time they need to take a break to do the research they need yep. to do as well. Yes. yes. So it's it's an impossible situation. They need they need to find alternate sources of funding to support themselves, but that compromises their ability to engage in their training and education. Mm -hmm. That's not a sustainable model, not not in our view. So the coming out of the working group on graduate student success was uh, a second working group that was convened uh, by the Dean of Graduate Studies uh, to specifically look at the issue of funding. And the mandate of that committee was to come forward with recommendations uh, for change. The problems had already been identified quite clearly by the mm -hmm. working group on graduate student success and a timeline for implementing change had been put in place uh, by that committee. So the next phase was, okay, what is the solution that we're going to uh, bring to some of, of these issues? And the working group on funding uh, spent, uh, came into being in the fall of 2019. Uh, we met uh, many times over the course of 2019 uh, and uh, uh, came forward with a set of recommendations. So based on an analysis of the state of funding for international students at Queen's in comparison to our competitor universities, both the, the Ontario universities and the, the U15 research intensive universities in Canada. And we, we fare reasonably well, but we're not, we're not competitive uh, with the other research intensive universities when it comes to funding. Mm -hmm. uh, we're we're mid-pack and in fact, in, in Ontario, we're at the bottom. We're in, so we're, we're not faring uh, well in comparison to our competitor universities in Ontario. Uh, and when it comes to uh, the international the proportion of international students, particularly international PhD students across the U15 research intensive universities, we're 11th out of 15. So there's, we, ha we have these, these, uh, these tensions now between the needs of our research programs, the, the need to recruit the best students from wherever they may come from, uh, and, and the fact that coming here to Queens, you know, our, our inevitable conclusion was, uh, was um, from a financial perspective only. We are still one of the top research uh, intensive universities in, in Canada, but we have this, this issue uh, of needing to better provide better support for a, a, a critical segment of uh, graduate students who, who are as I said, major drivers of the research enterprise. Those are all the things that came into consideration. We looked at a number of potential solutions 
uh, to that issue. Uh, the one that we uh, landed on was the one that we're here to talk about, uh, the proposal to uh, have international PhD students at Queen's pay domestic tuition. All right. So you've answered so many of my questions in that story. That's fantastic. Thank you so for so much detail. I like one thing that I found very striking, though, uh, in, in, in your story about the working group, uh, that the, uh, not only were there uh, recommendations made, but a timeline for implementation uh, was also presented at the same time, which was also great to see, as opposed to recommendations that can be, you know, thought about and maybe discussed some more, but not actually implemented until somebody decides to. With the presentation of this timeline with implementation how-tos, how does how did things get implemented? Did it have to go through GSEC, Graduate Studies Executive Council, then off to Senate? How did that work? You're right. It is a process. Uh, uh, it's not something that our working group could say this is what we this is what we want to see happen. So once we had a set of uh, we had data, we had information, we had I think a compelling argument. Uh, I still feel a, a very compelling argument for why this change should happen. We had the mandate uh, handed down from the working group on graduate student success, uh, uh, and and the, that was, those timelines are actually in the report uh, that was was tabled to Senate. Um, and uh, so then our working group, again, based on our analysis of the, the funding situation at Queen's in comparison to other universities, came forward with this recommendation to change the tuition structure for international students. That had to be uh, socialized, I'll say, uh, quite broadly. Um, uh, I presented it at uh, several meetings of graduate councils. Uh, so that uh, the programs themselves were aware of what was was being discussed. Uh, it had to be uh, 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 reviewed and, uh, and approved by the senior leadership of the university, the deans of all of the, the faculties and, uh, and the provosts were presented with the, the recommendations and the data supporting them uh, for their consideration because I mean, we can't hide this. There is a financial cost to the institution for, for doing this. Uh, and they had to weigh in those uh, financial costs, those drivers uh, against what was being uh, uh, proposed as, a, as a, uh, an improvement in the, uh, the situation for international students. Uh, and and I, I, I would be remiss in not saying the senior leadership demonstrated just exactly that leadership on, on mm -hmm. this issue, uh, understanding the costs that were going to be incurred, but that those uh, costs were minor in comparison to the, the benefit that would accrue both to the students and to the research enterprise at, at Queens. Okay, so overall, what does the working group and the School of Graduate Studies hope to achieve in terms of student experience and recruitment, as well as diversity and competitiveness vis-a-vis uh, -vis other universities with the implementation of the new tuition fee payment? So one of the things we would, we want is to make, uh, as I said, we want Queens to be competitive for the best students, uh, period, the best PhD students, period. Uh, mm -hmm. Removing financial barriers is one way to, to do that. 
we we have to we have to make sure these students understand how valued they are, how valuable they are, how valued they are uh, by the by the university, uh, and and then we need to remove any barriers to them being successful, uh, and putting them on a stronger financial footing is is one of those approaches, uh, and it's 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 one it's a, a direction that that we could go. Just fi financial insecurity uh, does it does more than uh, harm their times to completion. Uh, the stress it puts on individuals and it, and the stress it can put on their their families because you know, PhD students tend to be older. They tend to be the students who have uh, who have families and dependents, and they're trying to support them on uh, relatively small amounts or stipends and amounts of money. That that financial pressure and stress on them is uh, is is detrimental to their own mental health and and well-being, um, mm -hmm. and that and that again contributes to interfering with their ability to be successful in their education and, and research programs. So we we need to take away those things, those barriers to to student success, and this is this is one of them. It's a significant one. It's one we heard a lot about from from students uh, it's it's a concern and if it's a major concern that we can help alleviate then we're, we're doing our part to uh, to try and promote student success by like giving them a better environment in which uh, they themselves can can concentrate and focus more on the education that they're here for all right so I guess another question I have too is uh, or are there, similar possibilities in the pipeline potentially for master's students down the road? So I knew, uh, this is going to be a question, uh, I, obviously, you know, why PhD students uh, uh, selectively? Um, and I'll deal with that one first because it is, it is related. There are, as I said, very compelling arguments for why we needed to make this change for PhD students uh, in the near term. Uh, mm -hmm. They're here for longer. Uh, you know, they're here for four to six years, as opposed to one to two years for a, for a master's program. Uh, they do tend to be older, uh, as I said, and uh, more of them are here with families. Uh, and mm -hmm. that, those from, a, from the human perspective, uh, those, those are things that make it really uh, compelling that we needed to do, make this change for, and, and again, PhD students are major contributors to research Product and activity. So, uh, listen, there were some there were some compelling reasons. Should we or could we, uh, at some point in the future, look at uh, our international research master students as well? Uh, I I think we could. Uh, the timing uh, was was not right to do it now. Uh, the the working group did make recommendations uh, to look at the the case of. Uh, international research master's students in, in the future uh, is potentially mm -hmm. a next phase of, uh, of uh, revising graduate student support at the, the university. So they, they weren't a forgotten part of the deliberation. It was, uh, I'll go back to something you, you alluded to earlier, something we could do now uh, that made sense mm -hmm. and that we could support versus do we wait until we can do everything. Anything else to add before we close today? 
if you have anything else to add about graduate studies, international students at Queen's University, how to take care of oneself and stay connected, staying connected with the SGS and its expanded horizons programs, <laughs> Colette Steers grad chat, anything. <laughs> Everything that we can do is is continuing, and you know, thank you for bringing that up because that is uh, critically important that we do all stay connected. Uh, I still have graduate students, and we meet on a weekly basis or more often, as as needed. And a lot of that is just how are you doing, uh, what's happening now, not just what have you done this week. We need we need we need more of that. Uh, you know, we're. I have, uh, I've been so fortunate to work with uh, a number of students over, uh, over many years. In fact, going way back to my first faculty position at Memorial University in Newfoundland, my first graduate student was an international student. Uh, but through all of the, the, the students that I've, uh, I've had the pleasure of working with over the years who have, who have gone on to do uh, really tremendous things and are contributing in so many, uh, so many different ways. Uh, often it was just uh, a point of giving them, some, uh, giving them some opportunity, sort of pointing them in a, in a direction or understanding where they wanted to go and then getting out of their way. Uh, and that's, that's a lot of what uh, I think we can do as, as mentors. Uh, and as, uh, as, a, uh, as an institution, and certainly at the School of Graduate Studies, this is, this is part of our mandate. What can we do to make the, the student experience better? Mm -hmm. What can we offer to, to students that will help them fulfill their ambitions, their goals? Uh, and uh, as I've often said when I, when I meet with students, uh, you know, our success as, as an institution and our success as a school of graduate studies is actually measured by the success of our students. That's, that's really the only metric that, that, that matters. Uh, and one of the greatest pleasures that I have as a, an associate dean, um, well, one I used to have and hopefully uh, that we'll have this opportunity again, is taking part in convocation. And yes. seeing those students in some uh, that I've, I've known or have uh, been in my office or called up or have chatted over uh, an issue, but seeing the, those students come across the, the stage uh, and, uh, and then move on to the, the next phase of, of their professional life and uh, well, their life period uh, is so rewarding. Uh, that's, that's what I take, that's my motivation for, for, for being there. And I think all of us, uh, uh, are rewarded when we see students be successful. Uh, and any, anything we can do to help that is, uh, uh, yeah, that's what we're here for. Thank you so much. Folks, we've been chatting with Dr. James Reynolds, the Associate Dean in the School of Graduate Studies, as well as a professor in the Department of Biomedical and Molecular Sciences. James, thank you very much for joining us in the virtual studio today here on Campus Beat. And uh, thank you for talking so much about all of the work of the working group and the, the team over at the School of Graduate Studies to equalize PhD international student tuition fees to that of domestic students. Big news from the university. A lot of work went into this clearly. Thank you so much for telling us all about it. My pleasure, Daniel. Take care.
Thank you for listening to this podcast produced at CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, Ontario at Queen's University, situated on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples. The CFRC Podcast Network at podcast.cfrc.ca is brought to you by the generous support of the Queen's University Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences. 